0: Friday, Nate Dickinson here with you. You're listening in to the Locked On Golden Gophers Podcast. Your team every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy to join you here. Nate Dickinson with you, talking Gophers every single weekday. We're actually not only talking Gophers today. Coming up on today's program, we've got Asher Lowe of the Locked On Wisconsin Badgers Podcast. We're going to break down everything with the big old battle for the axe. That's tomorrow afternoon. And, of course, we'll have a breakdown of everything that happens on Monday's show. But today, it's all preview. Asher and I talked so long, it's going to take up all of our show today. So, we'll actually get right into it right here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Asher actually led the conversation. So, you will hear him say, hey, welcome to Locked On Badgers as we get into this thing. But... Don't worry, you're still listening to the right podcast. I'll be back in a couple of minutes to talk to you again here. And again, enjoy our conversation as we break down the battle for the axe between Wisconsin and Minnesota tomorrow. It's going to be a good one for you to listen to. We had a great time talking about it. Here's our talk right now.
1: Joining me on the Locked On Badgers podcast on our Friday crossover for game week, for Axe Week, Wisconsin and Minnesota, the new host of Locked On Golden Gophers, Nate Dickinson is here Nate welcome and we finally get to do the rivalry crossover because we have a locked on Minnesota Golden Gopher show on the locked on network now
0: Happy to provide it for you happy we're having the game weren't quite sure we were going to get here a few weeks ago but I'm glad it's happening I'm glad the, glad the Big 10 changed up kind of the way it did I mean there's schools like Indiana who may not be happy right now but you, you know it's what it is and I feel like Big 10 kind of gave the people what they wanted in a year when they uh, haven't been doing that a lot
1: Definitely. Uh, Definitely the one game I feel like that both Wisconsin and Gopher fans will get up for this weekend, given both our teams, right, in similar positions where this game isn't going to dictate anything postseason-wise or Big Ten championship-wise and whatnot, but it obviously dictates the axe, so everybody cares, uh, just for that reason alone. Getting into the outline, we're going to go through the whole game. We're going to go through every aspect of it. Talk about. Every angle, defense, offense, special teams, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then at the end, give our predictions for how this one goes, both outright and against the spread, and give you in our last segment every single Big Ten champions, champions week game against the spread picks from each of us. We'll see how much we agree. We haven't we haven't looked over each other's picks, so we'll see we'll see we could we could be all on the same page. We could not be. I hope we're not on the same page for good podcasting. But let's get right into it, Nate. Where's Minnesota right now? It's been a strange up and down year, kind of the opposite ups and downs, though, from Wisconsin schedule-wise.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was looking at the schedule a little bit before we got on just to get a quick uh, recap again of what Wisconsin had done. And you're right. It is kind of like you flip one schedule upside down and you're back at the other one. Uh, Minnesota just recently had to go through a COVID-19 protocol where they missed two weeks. Wisconsin had that, obviously, at the beginning of the season. But the Gophers are feeling pretty good right now, just given the fact that they were able to beat Nebraska and do things in that Nebraska game that the Gophers really hadn't done all season. Defensively, it was easily the best game that the Gophers had played this year. You could argue maybe Illinois, but Illinois is, I think, at least a much inferior team as far as where that all stands. And I could get into some of the PFF grades in a little bit, but a lot of it really pointed to the idea that Minnesota had its best defensive game off 22 days rest without 33 players still playing in That's that game.
1: Crazy. That part's crazy. I know. So because how many defensive guys did they have even suited up?
0: It was, they had the limitations where they had four defensive tackles in the game in total. They had two tight ends in the game in total. Uh, in the He was either post-game presser or on the Monday press conference after. PJ Flex said they were one offensive lineman away from really, really being in a spot where they might not have been able to play that game. So it was definitely a, a big big hit all around the team the fact that the defense was able to come up and play as well as it did it the reason why I mentioned it was because the defense has been what's been so terrible so far for Minnesota in games that it's lost and for it to step up the way that it did in particular was special for me but really it was just an all-around effort that P.J. Fleck just couldn't give enough praise for after the game and throughout the week this week really
1: yeah crazy win given how little you guys had available to you and we've had similar issues right at wisconsin not that level not down to four defensive linemen but mm-hmm. basically all the top skill players have been out for the last few weeks for wisconsin in different ways uh different combinations of them but it didn't get worse than it was this past weekend with no danny davis no kendrick Pryor, both senior receivers for wisconsin who by the way badger fans there's a little buzz right now about them maybe coming back because this year of eligibility doesn't count and they've had so many games taken away from everyone's
0: them. coming back man uh, what uh, everyone's coming back all of them no right, one'll no yeah, one's leaving
1: I, 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 I'm down for a lot of guys to come back. Obviously um, it all, it's all based on their decisions and also the decisions of schools, because I mean, they can't get everybody back with scholarships. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Also interesting. That Wisconsin last year, by the way, and I was critical of this decision last year, but this is when we really didn't know how bad COVID was going to be and how long it was going to be. They didn't allow players to come back for an additional year, the spring sports that did get that additional year after their sports were canceled. So like softball, Um, I believe, I don't think basketball is technically winter. So I think it was like softball was the the biggest sport for Wisconsin where they lost that whole season and they would have had an extra year of eligibility. Wisconsin said no to that, but they are saying that players can come back now for football next year. And Colin Wilder a safety has already announced that he'll be back. So it'll be interesting to see how many seniors return in basketball and football. Uh, we'll see, but both of these teams have had really similar years with the cancellations, with COVID issues and both sitting with similar records, Minnesota at three and three, Wisconsin at two and three, where do you see this game kind of being won and lost from a Minnesota perspective
0: on Minnesota side, the biggest Achilles heel on defense has been the run defense. And obviously we don't have to talk about how much of a strength the running game is for Wisconsin, just traditionally and always Um, Minnesota. I can pull up just some of the stats right now, probably, but they allowed Maryland to put up 45 points in a game in which, Anyone was able to do anything from uh, Tua Tungabailoa's little brother being able to pretty much get around the edge whenever he wanted to. He didn't get big, big yards every single time. Michigan ran all over Minnesota. Iowa ran all over Minnesota. Even Illinois, who who only put up 14 points. They had, I believe, a 100-yard rusher for the first time this season, and they kind of ran all over Minnesota. The story for the Gophers has kind of been so far, because this team's starting like six, seven freshmen every game. It's lost a lot on the defensive side of the football, and then obviously that takes a bigger hit with COVID. But right now it's been about just kind of getting that experience. P.J. Fleck had been saying every single week going through the first few games of the season that it's it's just about tackling. They need to have more time to get tackling down. And over time they've done that. I mean, I can look at it right now. They put up, I don't know how much you deal with the PFF grades. I love this stuff. But their tackling grade against Nebraska last weekend was a 90.3 that's more than 15 points better than anything Minnesota had done before this season. It's remarkable what they were able to put together. It seemed like it just kind of came out of nowhere on that end, but defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's weaknesses all over the place with how young it is, but the run defense has been what's really, really hurt it adversely on the other side on offense. The run game has been what's kept Minnesota alive. Really Mo Ibrahim, big 10 running back of the year now and deservedly. So he's been a guy where where he's had, he's had good blocking all season as well, but Every single time this team had something going wrong with it, whether it was Tanner Morgan's inability to kind of get adjusted to a new offensive coordinator or or just kind of dealing with having Rashad Bateman, not having Rashad Bateman again last weekend, that was a recent kind of hurdle for him to get over. But there were times where he was really being questioned as this quarterback. He certainly hasn't looked like the quarterback he was last year. But every single game, no matter what happened, Well, Ibrahim was kind of there to keep the Gophers in it at least for a while, save the Iowa game in which the Hawkeyes just blew the doors off things. We'll be right back with more with Asher Lowe of the Locked On Wisconsin Badgers podcast. But first, I'm sure you've already got your setup ready for tomorrow afternoon to watch the battle for the X. I'm not doubting that you have everything you need on that end. But if you are looking for a beer that's made to help you chill out, I recommend Coors Light. Again, this Beer is literally made to chill. Cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged too. I'm going to say that every time because it is that important. It's literally made to chill. As crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. It seems like nowadays everything's always go, go, go. There's so many things to stress you out in the world today, but if you need to chill out, and it seems like people do more than ever nowadays, You can go to Coors Light, the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Remember, as always, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We'll be back with more from Asher in just a minute. Nate Dickinson with the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast.
1: Talking about the running game, by the way, big news right now is that Jalen Berger, Wisconsin's true freshman who worked his way into not only the rotation, but basically worked his way into the RB1 slot after a couple weeks. He is not on the depth chart, and he was out this past week. It's not confirmed that it's COVID, but it looks like it because there was no sign of an injury. There was no uh, no information about any uh, knock that he picked up in practice and whatnot. So he's out right now, and if the timeline is a COVID timeline, there's no way he's eligible to play. This this weekend. So that will be a huge loss for Wisconsin. It was a huge loss for the Badgers against Iowa. You could just see it with how they struggled to run the football and how Graham Mertz was, you know, basically put into a position where he had to win the game with his arm without his two best weapons. So it it was it was a difficult thing for Wisconsin's offense. It's been difficult offense to watch for the last three weeks, but maybe maybe Minnesota's defense can help them out and well, uh, lift this team back up to where they were the first two weeks.
0: That's exactly where I wanted to go with it. Just the first thing I had on my list of things to ask about was what's going on with your offense, man? You put up 45, and then, you, again, after two weeks off, 49 points. Since then, you can't score more than seven. I, you mentioned the running kind of uh, deficiencies, but what has it been that teams have been able to do so well?
1: Yeah, so it starts with personnel, I think, right? First and foremost, it, it definitely starts with personnel. You ha- you have significant differences with who's been available in that Illinois-Michigan game and who was available against, especially Iowa, but Northwestern game as well. We found out, I mean, the media found out an hour before kickoff against Northwestern that Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor were both out. Neither was even on our radar as a guy that might be out, and we just find, I mean, that's how college sports works. You know it. They keep everything in-house. They hide everything, and then it just all comes out at the last second. But we don't know when Mertz knew, right, when when the offensive coaching staff knew that those guys were going to be out, but it could have been the day before the game. I mean, that's how covid works right you never know when someone tests tests positive when they're going to test positive so changing personnel losing a bunch of pieces especially Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor which really took that security blanket away from a guy in Graham Mertz that let's let's tamper our expectations a little bit is going to be starting his sixth collegiate game and against Northwestern in that game where he really struggled for the first time it was his third collegiate start and two weeks removed from him being in his bed really sick he was completely symptomatic with COVID uh, that's, that's been out. He's talked about that. So here's a guy that right starts week one, looks like a god, right? And then now and now Wisconsin fans, knowing what he was in recruiting for us, kind of the first huge win at that position that Wisconsin had had in a long time coming in as a true freshman. Russell Wilson, right, a transfer, totally different thing. This is a guy that Wisconsin had been on since he, before he'd actually thrown a varsity pass in high school, Wisconsin was on him. Wisconsin had offered him. And the Badgers got him. They got their man. And then all this hype kind of culminates in that crazy performance in week one where he didn't throw uh, an incompletion. He, or he was 18 for 18 before, before he threw one. He threw a, a bunch of different touchdowns and to different types of players, different throws. He was doing everything, right? The deep ball to Davis, uh, the short routes to Stocky. He, he was doing it all. And then the world just kind of came crashing down on this team with COVID and for him. And it just hasn't been the same since even against Michigan, right? He didn't look the same. And you look at Graham Mertz with a guy and you, you don't want to be overly critical, right? You don't want to be talking about him as a person. Cause he's been a fantastic leader, right? After he struggled, he's gotten in the press conferences and he said, this is on me, right? I'm taking responsibility for this, this, and this. He's the kind of guy that's going to lead this program for the next three years. But on the field, he's just made some really questionable decisions. You watch that Iowa game, two red zone trips in the fourth quarter. And he just completely misses a wide open Jack Dunn for a, th- Touchdown on fourth and ten, just an easy to make. He completely misses on the next red zone trip. A wide open Jake Ferguson, Wisconsin's tight end, a guy that has been really solid for the Badgers this year uh, in his final go around, maybe maybe final go around, right? You never know. But uh, he completely misses. Jake Ferguson tries to take off running. So it's it's these split second decisions that have just been the difference between what he was week one and what he is now mixed in with lack of personnel mixed in with the fact that Wisconsin has stopped and started mixed in with the fact that I don't know what offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph knows about his team going into the week of preparation, right? Because I don't know when he knows Jalen Berger is going to be out. I don't know when he knew against Northwestern that Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor weren't going to play. So that's really hard to change on the fly when you're preparing to have your, your, your dogs in there. And all of a sudden you don't, there's a lot you can't do. And so it's kind of like the perfect storm, right? Graham struggling to make the right read, especially in the red zone, especially when the game is on the line with some of those big drives in the second half, losing a bunch of pieces week after week, and just just not having that consistency of even knowing if you're playing a game uh, the next week. So it's a mess.
0: I want to ask also about just uh, on the emotional side of things. Where do you feel like Wisconsin fans are at with like the state of this rivalry? Because I had the same conversation with Andrew Wade when we had Minnesota-Iowa a while back in that, yeah, this is something people care about, but it's also something that Wisconsin's dominated for a long time. Yeah, Minnesota took the ax back a couple of years ago for the first time in a while, but I understand that, Wisconsin fans kind of feel like Minnesota could be a bit of a little brother, at least at this point. Fans who have only been watching maybe for the last, I don't know, 25, 30 years. I mean, it's been that bad so far for the the Gophers. But I do feel like, especially in this season, especially in how frustrating parts of this season have been for both of our teams, that there really is kind of that meaning behind this game. And at least on the Minnesota side, it felt weird ending with Nebraska after being out for two weeks. It felt like just It didn't feel like the end of a regular season. It felt like just some sort of exhibition game, kind of. This feels like a real kind of end of the season. Let's go get that axe kind of game. Is it the same kind of thing over there?
1: I think it is. And I think that the Iowa game last week was the game where a lot of fans on Twitter were saying, I don't care, right? I could care less if this team wins 50 to nothing or loses 50 to nothing. I don't care this week, whatever. I haven't seen a lot of that going into this game. I haven't seen a lot of people saying, I'm not going to watch. You know, I don't care. The season's over, whatever. COVID season, I can care less. Let's just wait for next year. That's not how this game goes. And I think you know that covering that fan base, and I know that covering the Badger fan base, that it doesn't matter that Wisconsin's dominated the rivalry recently. It doesn't matter uh, who has the ax right now, what happened last year, what happened the year before. If these two teams are playing, if they're both 0-8 going into the game, it doesn't really matter. This game is going to mean everything. For this fan base and for both fan bases and for both sets of players, coaches, whatever. The other thing is, I think this is important for momentum. I really do. I think that going into the offseason with this kind of win just helps everything when you get into spring practice, right? Having that as the last taste in your mouth when you get into spring practice and you remember that last game you played, uh, which could be the last game they play. I'm not 100% sure Wisconsin's going to play a bowl game. Paul Chris said he was going to address that after this game and talk to his players about it. If you want my honest opinion, if i was guessing i'd probably say why play the bowl game and then a lot of players won't want to play the bowl game after after an axe week game which is basically the last meaningful game you can really play right when you're when you're two and three and it's been a covid season and uh there's all these cancellations so i think the game means a ton and i think it means a ton going into next year for both these programs
0: yeah yeah and pj said the same thing about playing in bowl games like it's really just first off it's just it If COVID's taught us anything about trying to play sports during this, it's that you can't think too far ahead about it, you know? I mean, they put together a BYU-Coastal Carolina game in six days. Nobody, I don't think, and I genuinely don't think anyone's thinking about a bowl game right now for Minnesota. Maybe they end up deciding to play it. I don't know as far as leaning one way or another what those guys will decide to do. From the schools who have already come out and said, hey, we're not playing bowl games, it's been pretty much like these kids haven't been able to leave their dorm rooms except for football since June. So I'm completely understanding if everyone's kind of tired of going through this, especially if it's to go play in the Gasparilla Motors Bowl or whatever it is.
1: You know, it's a point I made on Twitter once, I think it's a couple weeks ago, and I was saying that after, it was a couple months ago actually, it's when Wisconsin first had the news coming out about, oh, there were cases after the Illinois game, the Michigan game uh, looks like it's up in the air. We're probably going to cancel the Purdue game. All that stuff that was coming out after the Illinois game, literally the day after the game that Saturday, we played on a Friday that Saturday was when Graham Mertz was announced to be tested positive and, and a bunch of other guys as well, but their names didn't come out. So there was the outbreak, whatever. And people right. Immediately took to Twitter and said, Oh, they've been, you know, they've been going to parties. They've been with girls, what, like whatever people say. And it's just not true. Like they, they've been so responsible compared to the average college student on a Wisconsin's campus over the last few months to compare that average student's life and a football player's life over the last few months, night and day different. And I said that, and one of the moms, I won't say who, but one of the moms who has uh, a child on the team and a kid who's living in a dorm, right. With other kids on the team and stuff. She DM me and she said like, thank you. You're totally right. My kid has had no life for the last three months to try to just play a little football and they're doing everything they can, but they can't control being around all these students all the time going to the grocery store and being around a 100 other Wisconsin students that aren't following COVID protocol at all, that aren't getting tested every day, that aren't being extra careful. So I really feel for the guys. And um, I fully understand and support them not wanting to play a bowl game or wanting to play a bowl game. I think there'll be a mix of both. And I just hope that, you know, majority majority rules in this case.
0: Yeah, people really have no idea, and honestly, even us who have an idea, we have no idea what go, how long all that is to be able to do that for three months. I can't wrap my head around it. But well, let's get back into uh, this matchup here. I believe you already asked me about, you know, keys for the Minnesota side. What are you feeling as far as the Badgers side goes? How do you snap this losing streak here on Saturday?
1: So, Graham has to be better, uh, and I think he will be a little better than we saw against Iowa. I think this will be uh, an improvement for him off of what we've seen in the red zone against Iowa because everything's reps for him, right? Everything is going to just be experience uh, in his tool belt, getting more valuable experience, more reps. And that's all this year has really been for him. And even if this team was 5-0, and 4-1, I still think that it'd be more valuable just to have him playing than winning or losing games. Like The value here is for the future, right? It's thinking a couple years ahead when, He now has this year of experience. So I think the more experience we're going to see from him, the better. And I think that that's why he takes a small step forward on Saturday. And he has to take a step forward on Saturday for this team to win. The running game is a question, a big question. Is Isaac Garundo going to be back? Who's the speed back has been out for a few weeks. Jalen Berger looks like he is definitely not playing. So who's going to step forward? Is it going to be Nakia Watson? Is he capable of, you know, having a 75-yard rushing game? We haven't seen it from him this year. We'll see. Uh, his patience is something that's been a question mark, right? Is he just kind of barreling himself into uh, the teeth of the defense right when he gets to the football instead of kind of taking that split Le'Veon Bell-like second, right, to survey? That, that's kind of been the issue for him, I feel like, in the last year and a half. But then who's going to be available on offense, right? Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor right now are both questionable. Uh, that's what Paul Chris said uh, this morning in the press conference, actually, that he's not sure about either of them. Uh, if either of them can go. So we'll see how much Graham Mertz has at his disposal. And then on defense, it's just avoiding big plays because when this team avoids a few chunk plays, you're not going to beat Wisconsin's defense, Jim Leonard's defense with, right, 10 plays, 75-yard, five-minute drives. You're just not going to beat them that way. You have to have some explosive play to beat this defense. And we saw it against Iowa. Six points allowed in the first half, and then all three touchdowns in the second half were just huge plays. A Goodson 80-yard run. Right It kind of skews the stats. I only had 13 first downs against Wisconsin and 28 points. Wisconsin had 11 first downs and seven points. And the reason is just those big plays. Two to Smith-Marset. You saw the one where he got hurt on the backflip. Uh, but uh, that and the Goodson run. So avoiding big plays and hopefully having some some guys back, right? Either Davis or Pryor would be huge. And then Graham taking care of the ball. Uh, would be a huge step forward for him, just taking care of the football and having a runner step forward against the Minnesota defense that will definitely allow you to run on them.
0: We'll finish up our conversation with Asher Lowe of the Locked On Badgers podcast in just a moment, but before we get to that, we've already told you plenty about Built Bar, the energy bar that is not only good for you and packs in everything as far as the protein goes without the calories and the carbs or sugar, But I also got to let you know about Built Go. Now, what is Built Go exactly? It's kind of just like Built Bar, only instead of in an energy bar, you get it in one little convenient little gummy gel kind of thing. It's so small, it can fit right into your pocket, into a briefcase, into your work bag for the gym, your duffel bag, I should say, for the gym, anything that you might need as far as that extra burst for like getting through that wall in the middle of the day. You guys know what I'm talking about. You hit that wall at some point. Sometimes it's like 2, 3 p.m. as you're just getting into that final stretch before you can go home for, say, the weekend on a Friday like today. Or maybe you're just getting through your reps at the gym and you're just not feeling it like you usually do. Built Go can do all of that stuff for you. You can break through your wall with three delicious flavors, chocolate, coconut, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, mint. It's like a five-hour energy without that same crash feeling that you get from it. Plus, this stuff's all natural, so it's better for your body as well. It uses this stuff called collagen proteins. It's fast-absorbing, so it can get into your body quick, plus it's easy on the stomach as well. Right now, also, you can get a discount thanks to us over at Locked On. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. I shouldn't say thanks to us. It's really thanks to Built Go, and we do thank them. More with Asher coming up in just a minute. Here to wrap up the Locked On Golden Gopher podcast here on your Friday, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On. All right, man. Well, I don't know how you want to do this prediction stuff or if you have any other questions for me too. I don't know how you want to go through games. We I know you do the betting stuff all, every week, but I, I, I'm new to at least talking about it on here. I'm perfectly aware of how the betting works. I've lost plenty of money on my own. But what do you? How do you want to go about it?
1: Yeah. So let's run through um, every single Big Ten Champions Week game. We can give. Uh, we can just give straight. You know, against the spread. If you like an underdog outright, you like an underdog outright. Uh, give us that too. We'll do over/unders and against the spread. For every single game. And then for Minnesota, Wisconsin, we can give obviously outright winner plus uh, against the spread, plus a little bit more into why. Running through every single Big Ten, I could call it Champions Week, but that's honestly being generous at this point. We only got four games left. A couple have been canceled, a couple have been changed around. It's weird, but let's run through every single game right now and give you our picks against the spread. We'll start with Illinois and Penn State, the Nittany Lions as 15 and a half favorites. To open the over-under set at 52, Sean Clifford is back. Penn State has looked a little better uh, than they looked over the first five weeks. But it's still been a disaster of a season uh, for Penn State and in Happy Valley. How do you see this one playing out?
0: I mean, 15 and a half is a lot of points. Um, I, I If it was like even a 10, I'd say easy Penn State. I, I think Penn State has the talent, just raw talent to be able to beat up on Illinois pretty bad they've won three games in a row it seems like things are turning around for them Illinois I believe is one of the bottom feeders of the Big Ten they got two wins they beat Nebraska a, a team that Minnesota only beat by seven and I think those teams in both Nebraska and Minnesota are both a couple of notches above what Illinois should be I mean again it's 15 and a half points man um I'll take it one points. You know what? Illinois is uh, without a head coach. They don't have a head coach right now. So I'll True. take Penn state.
1: No love Smith. Yep. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take Illinois and the fighting lovey Smiths because I think that they are going to play this game in some ways for their coach. Like this is kind of like the last game of the lovey Smith tenure, even though he's not coaching. I feel like this is sort of the last um, goodbye to lovey Smith. And if you watched the players on Twitter and saw what they were saying about him and how much they loved him and how much they cared about him as just a person, I feel like they are going to come out and play for him a little bit. So I think that this game stays closer than the 15. I'll take Illinois and the Pope points in Rod Smith's head coaching debut for the fighting Illini. Moving on. We got no, yeah, see, Nebraska canceled. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all canceled. Ohio state <laughs> and Northwestern, the only game that truly truly matters in terms of who can win a national championship and the big tens college football playoff hopes, of course, riding with, Ohio State, unless Northwestern somehow wins this game, I guess. But even then, I still could not see the Wildcats getting in. Ohio State minus twenty. I have a very strong opinion on this. What do you think?
0: I think. I mean, I'm interested to hear what your opinion is on it, since you say it's so strong. My opinion is the common one, and that Ohio State's going to blow these guys out. I mean, Northwestern's good. They're perfectly a really good football team. They're on the right direction. I'm. It's just Ohio State's another level of football. You know if. You can play with Ohio State. Indiana had a really good game and was able to play with Ohio State. A lot of people would argue Indiana was better than Ohio State in that game, but they still lost by a touchdown. That's just the way that Ohio State runs things. They have to have a really pretty poor game, and you have to have probably the best game of your season to be able to get close with them. I don't see that happening in Indianapolis.
1: So the only way I see Northwestern covering the spread, honestly, is Ohio State jumping on them early, which is what I see them doing regardless. And then kind of that Indiana effect where Ohio State lets up a little bit. Justin Fields makes a few mistakes when they're already up by a few scores. And you kind of allow Northwestern to creep back into the game. So I love, 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 love the Buckeyes in this. But I'd much rather have that first half number, whatever it is, minus 10, minus 11, than the minus 20. I think Ohio State jumps on Northwestern early. I think that this game is, is never truly close. But a backdoor cover is much more possible than me with that second half bigger number. With the game already basically over than it is with that first half number where I think Ohio State's just, you know, all all gas, no breaks for the first 20 or 30 minutes of this game. I don't think they're going to let up at all. I think it's going to be a three-score game by halftime. I wish I could say something different to you, but I'd be lying. The talent gap is ridiculous.
0: And again, Ohio State hasn't played in however many days it's been now either. So they're going to be ready to get out onto that field and get off to a hot start.
1: There, there's rumors about no Chris Olave. That's not confirmed, but there is there was confirmation that Ohio State was missing a key offensive player and then all the Buckeye fan boards, whatever we're saying, we think it's Olave. we think it's Olave. So take that for what it's worth, but looks like Justin Fields is healthy, ready to go, and looks like Ohio State is basically as full as they've been roster-wise in a few weeks because that Michigan State game, they were also really, really depleted their last time out with, with COVID and everything going on. Let's get to the game that... Everybody cares about Minnesota, Wisconsin. Everybody listening to this podcast cares about too many points. In my opinion, Wisconsin minus 12. And I've seen it bet down to like ten and a half at, at its lowest. But am I right? That that's too many points.
0: Uh, yes. I think it's too many points. I I, I said the same thing with, uh, I, again, I'm going to bring up Andrew Wade when I talk to him with Iowa at the Iowa game. I feel like man, this, man,
1: Wednesday.
0: There we go. I feel like, uh, with this matchup, you know, in every game, there's the four possible outcomes, either Wisconsin wins by in a close one, Minnesota wins in a close one, or it's a blowout on either side. I think the only scenario you don't see here, I think it's really unlikely that Minnesota blows out Wisconsin in this game. I could see Wisconsin blowing out Minnesota, I could see other side winning, any side winning in a close one. So in that respect, yeah, you could bet Wisconsin minus minus twelve and a half. it's not unfeasible that that would happen. But I see this being a much closer game. Whoever wins it, and we'll talk about outright winners. But as far as points, I got to take Minnesota.
1: I would lean towards the Gophers as well. Uh, I don't love either side in this game. The 12 is kind of a strange number, to be honest. Uh, and you can have a close game that ends in a 14-point win. So I, I, I don't love that, that number. But I, I would have to take Minnesota in the points. It's just too many points for a Wisconsin offense that hasn't shown it. Right, the last three weeks, like, like, can they get twenty-one? And and if Wisconsin's offense just can't score, and Wisconsin's defense doesn't make a huge play, then they're not going to score enough points to cover this number. So, we'll see. The over/under is unsurprisingly pretty low, but I think a little higher than most Wisconsin games have been recently at forty-seven and a half. That that's a little high, a little bit.
0: I, I want to say it's a little high too. I've said all season that. The Gophers are built to play in a high-scoring game. The offense has the explosiveness that you you talked about has been something that's hurt Wisconsin before. Mo Ibrahim can break off a big run at any time. When they had Rashad Bateman and Chris Ottman-Bell on either sides on the wide receiver spots, they have the ability to go deep, play a high-low game to try and spread out a defense and get big plays that way. I've kind of, though, been contradicted by that as far as totals go this season minnesota scored at least 24 points in every game but one this year that was the matchup against iowa but then all of a sudden this defense only gives up 17 points to nebraska something i wasn't expecting after
1: 22 days off a good nebraska offense by the way and i'm, yes. I'm the last person in the history of the world that will give nebraska credit on locked-on badgers <laughs> if you go back and listen to any preseason stuff i was telling everybody they'd be one and seven and be a disaster but their offense actually looked better than i thought it would
0: Yeah, and the Minnesota defense held them to a decent, a a respectable amount of points. So it seems like what P.J. Fleck has been saying about, hey, just give this time, let these guys get some games in who haven't played at this level before, and it'll get better. It seems like it's getting better, but I still want to take the over. It's again just that kind of maybe it's just same kind of deal in the preseason. I was thinking this is a team that's built to play high-scoring games, but I I guess I at forty-seven, I'll lean toward this is going to be a classic big 10 ground and pound it wrestle of a football game. And I'll take the under.
1: Gotcha. I'm going to, I'm going to also take the under. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily love the under. I just feel like Wisconsin's offense has to find something more than they found in the last three weeks. Like it's just gotta happen. Please, Uh, please, please, please. But I, I think Wisconsin wins this game outright. I think it's a huge win momentum wise going into the off season. Do you see a way Minnesota pulls this upset?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially with the way they played last week. If if that game hadn't happened, I would be putting – I'd probably take Wisconsin minus 12.5 just because of the talent I know that's on that Wisconsin offense. If it's at full strength, again, you mentioned all the question marks around that. But I, I can easily see Minnesota winning this game outright, especially with the struggles that your team has had on the offensive side of the football. I'm still confident Minnesota puts up points like I said, 24 points at least in every single game except the Iowa game this season. So I don't see a Badgers team shutting Minnesota down, shutting Mo Ibrahim down, and shutting Chris Altman-Bell down. Maybe that deficiency without Rashad Bateman is exposed a little bit more on Saturday that brings the point total down a bit, and that's part of the reason why I take the under. But I could easily see Minnesota winning this game, and I guess I'll I'll take him too, obviously. I mean, that's my podcast, man.
1: All right, take them out right. I like it. Locked on Gophers. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you got to take Minnesota out right, right? It's, it's a battle for the Axe. What are you going to nah, come I back got... to listeners and tell me the Badgers are winning this game? Got to keep respect on
0: know. my name here, man.
1: <laughs> Thank you for hopping on, Nate. Enjoyed this crossover. Let's do it again for basketball season.
0: Definitely. No doubt about it. That, that one might be a little bit more ugly, but we'll see.
1: I think it definitely will be. <laughs>
0: Hey, thanks for listening in to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast here on a Friday. Hope you have a great weekend, and thanks again to Asher Lowe for joining us here on the Locked On Golden Gopher podcast. Sorry for putting a little uh, jab in at the Minnesota basketball team there at the end there. That team's perfectly good enough to beat Wisconsin. I feel like Asher might have underestimated things a little bit at the end there, but hey, if. Wisconsin's underestimating Minnesota. I'm perfectly fine with that in any sport. Again, we'll talk again on Monday, recap of everything that happens over the weekend in Minnesota sports. Of course, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about with the Axe tomorrow. I know I'll be watching. You can follow us on Twitter to keep along at LO Golden Gophers. I'll be live tweeting throughout the game, and we'll have a fun time. Go ahead and give us a follow. Until Monday, Nate Dickinson, you're listening in to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast.